I wanted to just recognize those of you that serve our nation, for those of you that have served or currently serve right now, because of you, we get to do what we're doing here today is worship Jesus in spirit and in truth without worry about a government coming in and shutting us down or people attacking us. I don't want to ever take that for granted right now. And so as you're celebrating our independence, I remember as a kid uh, when I was in Toronto, my dad would take me to the international air show. And so I would see as a 10-year-old, as a 12-year-old, I'd see like the F-16s and the Warthogs. And I don't know if you remember like the Blackbird plane or the Stealth Bombers, all these different teams, the Blue Angels. I don't know if you remember them or not, but I remember as a 10 or a 12-year-old, I remember saying, I feel sorry for anybody that messes with the United States of America. It is very unspiritual, but it's just the truth. And so here I am now as an American citizen. I get to call this place home. And so thank you so much. But the reason why I just wanted to acknowledge that was because I want us to remember that around the world there are people that are in the persecuted church and they don't have the freedoms that we have. And so as we celebrate our independence, remember that there are people that would love to do what we, we are doing here today. We do it week in and week out. Every week we sense the presence of God. And so uh, just continue to do that. There's one couple that I just wanted to recognize. Mr. and Mrs. Broman, would you stand to your feet? Mr. and Mrs. Broman have celebrated 60 years of marriage. Can we just give them a hand? That is incredible. You can go ahead and have a seat, but I just wanted to honor you guys today as well. One of the things that has made Clover Hill a successful church in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God. And again, when we're thinking about what makes a church successful in the eyes of God, when new people have the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ, when people come together and they make decisions to follow him, when people follow the Lord in water baptism and they're empowered by the Spirit to walk out the God-given calling that has been placed on their lives, those are the things that matter to Jesus. And as a church, the thing that has helped us become a successful church is prayer. Prayer is the vehicle that God has given to us to use. And what I want to do this morning is I'm going to kind of teach, uh, kind of just sh uh, share a little bit about what I've learned about prayer. In no way am I an expert, but I've learned these things. But at the end of this morning's service, before we dismiss, I've asked the worship team, I've asked the prayer team, all of us to kind of just kind of go together. And, and I, I want to use it as a time where we pray for the sick and we pray for those that are, that are not well, those of you that have needs. And so prayer is one of those things. Hundreds and hundreds of people have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours over the years just praying that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And week in, week out, you're a trophy of that particular prayer that has gone up to heaven. And God has done some great things. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is where we're going to kind of camp out for a little bit. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has basically come out onto the scene. His ministry has begun. The power of Jesus is just at work. Wherever he goes, he preaches of the kingdom of heaven, and then he begins to heal everyone in sight. So that kind of sets the stage. In this particular passage of scripture, he's talking to his disciples. He's gathered them on a hillside, and he's teaching them and training them a little bit about what he wanted to convey to them. So if you're following along, if you're in the Bible app, there are notes as well. And I want us to do what Pastor Barry had asked us to do last week. God has given you a platform to use. He's given you social media. He's given you a sphere of people that gather around and watch what it is that you post. And so as you post today's verses or notes or what it is that God is doing, do it for the glory of God. Don't do it for my sake. But as God is doing something within you, make sure that we are conveying to the people around us that the testimony of the truth of Jesus Christ. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Again, this is all on prayer. It says, when you pray... 
Do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So what's he saying right there? Don't let prayer just be about hype. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look up here for one second. So listen, what would happen if we taught and we equipped and we released you to pray the very things that Jesus prayed? When Jesus was on this earth, he would pray. He would say to the people, listen, if I return back to the Father, you're going to do even greater works than these. Well, when Jesus was here and he was praying, he would walk up to a tomb of a gentleman that was dead for three days, and he would say, Lazarus, come out. He would speak to the blind eyes, and the blind eyes would see. He would speak to the lame that were uh, that unable to walk from birth, those that were 30 and 40 years old, and he'd say, he'd say get up and walk. He'd take the demonic, and he'd begin to speak to their lives, and the demons would have to come out. And so when we do that... I believe that there is the fury of heaven. There is an arsenal that is in heaven right now that can be unleashed on what the enemy is trying to do and accomplish. The main idea for this morning then is this, is as followers of Christ, as Christians, you are given to the, the keys to the kingdom of heaven that have the power to unleash the fury of heaven on the fate of hell. Now listen, if I were the enemy, if I were the enemy, what I would try and do is keep you from understanding. If I were Satan and I'm watching Jesus on the earth preach about the kingdom of heaven, and then whenever he preached about the kingdom of heaven, he went on to heal everybody else. As the enemy, what I would try and do is keep you from understanding what it is that the kingdom of heaven is all about. God, on the other hand, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, it says, though it costs you everything that you have, get understanding. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. And so if we ask the question, and I'm sh I've asked it in my own life, and I'm sure you have too. If we have a God that is so compassionate and so loving, why would he allow bad things to happen to good people? Why then, why wouldn't he create a place where there is no sickness, where there is no disease, where there is no turmoil, where there is no division, where there is no anxiety or fear or depression? Why wouldn't God create that place? And friend, I'm telling you, that place does exist. That place is called heaven. And what we're saying is that if the kingdom of heaven is that place where none of that stuff exists, what Jesus is saying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we think and we begin to understand, prayer now is the vehicle that we see these things come to pass. And so I'm going to give you three things. And what I want to do is I'm going to give you the three and then I'm going to lay them out for you as, as we kind of go on. So if the kingdom of heaven, if his kingdom is to come and his will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven, there are three things that we need to establish then in prayer. The first thing is the kingdom of God's person. The second thing is the kingdom of God's purpose. And the third thing is the kingdom of God's power. His person, his purpose, and then his power. So what in the round world then is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven refer refers to God's royal power his rule, and his reign. 
When we hear about the kingdom of heaven, you might sometimes see the kingdom of God, and those names are interchangeable. The Jewish people wouldn't, wouldn't actually say the name of God, and so in some instances, we would read about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew alone, he's, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven over 50 times, and in those 50 times, he begins to lay out what the kingdom of heaven was all about. The kingdom, he would use stories, he would use illustrations, and he would say, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is what we are to seek first in this life. The kingdom of heaven is entered through the narrow gate. The kingdom of heaven is for those that teach and tell about it. The kingdom is forcefully advancing. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom has arrived when demons are cast out. The kingdom is for those with childlike faith. The kingdom is for those that put others ahead of themselves. And he began to describe in and out over these 50 occurrences about what the kingdom of heaven is there. And so what Jesus begins to do is he begins to obliterate our understanding of what a kingdom is and how a kingdom is established. On this earth, the framework that you and I use to understand a kingdom is when I look at a country, if I look at a Fortune 500 company, if I look at a family or a team or anything like that, when a kingdom is established, they're conquering and they're defeating and they're superseding anything else that gets in their way. That's what they're trying to do. That's how kingdoms are established. Well, the kingdom of heaven it's not, and this is what I, I want you to know, is that the enemy is not competition for, for the Lord, God. The enemy is not competition. If we were to say that the enemy was competition for God, then what we're saying is there is a likelihood and a possibility that the enemy can succeed over what God is. But I do know that God is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of heaven and earth, and he has created the heavens, and he is the one. There is no one that will come close to him. He is seated on the throne. He will always be there. And so the kingdom of heaven, the moment that we accept Jesus into our hearts, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And Jesus is trying to teach us how it can be lived out. And so the first thing, the first point that I had mentioned to you is the kingdom of God's person. This has to be established in prayer. We have to, we have to establish the kingdom of God's person. So what does that mean? The character of God, the character of God has got to be established inside of you. Now, every single person that's here under the sound of my voice, everybody that's on planet Earth, you were born a natural birth. You're made up of body, of soul, and spirit. The Bible says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of the master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. Now, you and I were born. We had a natural birth. Now, when the word of God was sown into your heart, at some point in time, you made a decision. You know what? Your heart was illuminated. The seed was sown. And then your eyes were open. And then you realized that your spirit man came alive in Christ Jesus. We were once dead in our transgressions, but now we're alive in Christ. Now, it says, the, the Bible says that very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So now you're born again. You've made that decision to follow Jesus. So we have a body, we get that. Our spirit was dead, now we understand that it's alive. Our soul then is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, our will, and emotions. That is the playground, that is the theater, that is the battleground that the enemy uses to get hold of your life. And so don't raise your hands, but I can tell you from my life and my experience, Every single day, there is an ongoing battle for my mind, my will, and my emotions. This is where the enemy constantly attacks. So although the spirit is willing, 
the flesh is weak. Would you agree with that? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We so badly want to do what it is that our spirit wants to accomplish in the, in the eyes and in the light of God, but our soul is constantly battling, and that is the place that the enemy constantly attacks. And so Paul kind of laid it out. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to pray even greater things. You're going to do even greater things. Paul lays out an understanding then of an explanation of what's going on with our souls. And so we have to go to Galatians chapter 5 to understand this. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Day by day, there is a fight that is going on for your soul. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, which is sex outside of the boundaries of marriage, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, which is worshiping other gods. And sometimes in our Western culture, we are the ones that place ourselves as God on the throne of our own hearts. Sorcery, which is like witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and in case Paul didn't mention your sin, Paul goes on to say, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not have the opportunity to experience abundant life here on this earth. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's me and that's you, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So our souls have got to be renewed on a daily basis. Our souls need to be transformed. And if you're looking at me today and you're trying to figure out in the room, like, who's the worst person of them all? Who's the worst sinner of them all? Just like Paul said, I'll be the first to admit, I'm the worst sinner out of all of you. And so this is why we come together. This is why we worship together. This is why we celebrate the name of Jesus. This is why we're family. This is why we're community. This is why we have gathered together. This is how the kingdom of God is advancing. And so we pray. We pray for the renewing of our souls. We pray for the renewing of our minds. We pray that our wills would be steadfast. We pray that our emotions would be steady and embedded within the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. The person of God, the character of God being established within us. So can I do something for you? Can I just model that prayer for you? Would you bow your heads and let's just take a moment and let's just pray this particular point. Lord, I thank you right now that it is in you that we live and we move and we have our very being. And we want to see your kingdom, your kingdom's purpose, person established in our lives. God, would you forgive us, forgive me, God, of my sinful nature. I recognize, Lord, that, this, that the enemy is vying for that area of my life. 
Lord, I, I tell you, Lord, that this, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. And God, I think about the things that I struggle with from day to day, and I just come before you right now, and I thank you that you are a forgiving God, that your kindness, it leads us to repentance. I pray right now that the fruit of the spirit would be evident in our lives, that the character of God would be evident in our lives, that we would be a people full of love, that we would be a people full of patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, allow that fruit to be evident in our lives on a daily basis. I pray for those that are here right now that are listening to me pray, and they're just so, under so much guilt and so much condemnation. And maybe they're even in the room with people that feel as if they're unworthy to receive your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy. Lord, I just speak right now your, your presence to be in their hearts, illuminating, Lord, their, their lives once again. God, I thank you that you've been faithful, Lord God, to hear our prayers before, and you'll do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that's what you do on a daily basis. You model the kingdom of God's person inside of you. That character of God has constantly got to be renewed in your spirit. The second point is this, is we've got to see the kingdom of God's purpose established within you. And so there's a famous saying, and I don't remember who it is that said it, but the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. And so when you understand the why of your life, the why you were created, why are you on planet Earth? When you begin to understand the why of your life, everything changes. Your vision, your dream, your outlook, your perspective, your goals, your everything that you do in your life, it changes. And so as we read the scripture, before we do that, we have to understand, when you look at your schedule, you look at your 40-hour work week or 50-hour or whatever it is, when you, look about the, when you think about the education that you're pursuing, when you think about that business that you're about to start or that door that's been opened for you and you're about to jump through it, when you look at all the things that make up your every day, do you actually, when you put that up against the filter of God's purposes for your life, is there a match or not? Or is it off a little bit? Or is it completely off? And so the Bible says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Listen to what Ephesians says. It is in Christ. Not in your jobs, not in your 401k, not in the size of your bank account, not in your vehicles, not in your wardrobe or your social media presence, not in any of those things. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. There is a purpose that God is working out that is far greater than what your eyes can see and what your mind can understand. There is a purpose, and today what we want to do is we want the kingdom of God's purpose to be established in our lives. When you, you will come to a crossroads, you're either at a crossroads right now, or you will come to a crossroads where you need to make a decision. And maybe this is a word for somebody today, but there is a door of opportunity that's been opened for you. And you look at that opportunity and it's inviting, it's enticing, it's appealing, maybe it's lucrative. You look at that opportunity and you look at the situation that you're in right now and you want to do everything possible to get out of the situation because you see that opportunity and you see comfort through that opportunity. But the Lord is actually not in that opportunity. Do you have the resolve and the restraint that in the eyes and in, 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 the, in the opportunity that is standing before you, do you have the resolve to be restrained enough to say, Lord, 
whatever your will might be, I'd choose to do that. Do you hear the still small voice that says, here's the way, walk in it. On the flip side, and we could flip it all around, there might be an opportunity that, that is wide open for you. It doesn't seem glamorous. It doesn't seem appealing. It doesn't seem anything attractive, but the Lord is in it. I don't know how it is working out in your life right now, but I believe that there are people that are here this morning. You're on the verge of making a decision because you just want to move on into that next phase of whatever life is. God's purposes are being established in you in the here and now. And so I challenge you today, as we think about the kingdom of heaven, we want his glory, we want his fullness, we want his plans and his purposes, we want his direction, we want the implementation of God's way to be established in us. There are going to be times where the door is wide open, and there are going to be times when it slams shut. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Stop trying to figure things out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he's in control. Acknowledge that his ways are higher than our ways and he will direct your path. And so we establish the kingdom of God's person and we establish the kingdom of God's purpose. And so can I model it again for you? Would you bow your heads? And that, I want to just pray these things. Maybe you're here today and you kind of feel that, you know what? I want God's purposes to be established in my family, in my home, in my marriage, in my workplace. So God, I come before you right now. And God, we just pause for a moment. And we thank you that what you're doing, you're weaving together a story that's far greater than our minds can fully know or understand. But we are followers of Jesus Christ. That the story that you're weaving is history in the making. It is your story in the making that you're doing it, that you may get the glory. And I pray for those that, that are here right now, that are in a season, God, where it's just a challenge. It's a struggle. And they so badly want to get out of it. But I believe that more than our comfort, you're shaping our character. And I believe that your purposes are being fulfilled. I pray that we would be a people that are patient with your plan. That your timing is perfect. It's in your timing that you make all things beautiful. So I pray that the purposes of God... Lord, I pray that the things that you've called us to, God, if we're veered off on a tangent, God, bring us back. Let your kindness bring us back into the fold of what your plan is for our lives. God, we want to hear again that still small voice that says, here is the way. Walk in it. And so I pray right now for those that are here that are making decisions or wrestling with next steps and stages. I just pray right now that the will of God would be accomplished. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So that's, again, it's just a simple prayer. All I'm doing when I pray, all I'm doing is I'm modeling what it is that the Bible has said. I'm taking the scripture, and I'm basically putting it on top of my life, and I'm, a, I'm channeling that towards God. Sometimes I speak to my situation. Sometimes I speak to the Lord. The kingdom of God's person, the kingdom of God's purpose. And the last point is this, is the kingdom of God's power. If if we are truly established in the kingdom of God's person within us and his purpose within us, then the only thing that's coming out of us at that point is the kingdom of God's power. And so I want to have you uh, just follow along on this one scripture, but it says, from there, he, Jesus, went all over Galilee. He used synagogues, churches for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme. That beginning right now, they were under God's government, a good government. He also, again, so he's talked about the kingdom of heaven now. 
He also healed people of their diseases and of the bad effects of their bad lives. Word got around the entire province of Syria. People brought anybody with an ailment, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them one and all. Anyone that came into the presence of Jesus, would you stand to your feet this morning? Anyone that came into the presence of Jesus was healed. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back right now. Anyone that came into the presence of Jesus, think about that for a second. Anybody that walked through the doors of the synagogue, anybody that walked through the doors of that particular gathering, they not only, Jesus not only healed them, but he began to gather, crowds began to go back out and say, hey, you need to get to Jesus. He is going to heal you of your sickness and your disease. And so I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask you to kind of raise your hand in response to the question. But how many of you, you know, we read the Bible and we see miracle after miracle taking place. Jesus is doing some phenomenal things. I still, it boggles my mind some of the things that he does. He takes dirt, puts it on someone's eyes and they're, they're able to see. I don't get it, but he did it. And that's the Jesus that I know. How many of you would say, even though that that happened in Bible times, that in your life, by a show of hands, you have either experienced a miracle or if you have seen a miracle happen. Would you raise it up and keep it up? Why don't you take a look around the room real quick and see what it is that God has done. God is not yet finished. You can put your hands down. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus sent his, his 12 with, the, with this charge. Can I tell you a story real quick? One story. There was a gentleman, a family that their, their names were Alan Barbara Ferris. They actually used to attend our church many years ago. And Al was, you know, is getting um, up in age and he was battling a lot of physical ailments. I don't know if you remember, he would come in and he'd have like an oxygen tank hooked up to himself. And he reached a point where just the ailments in his body were too much. And so he was committed, admitted to the hospital and he was in the ICU unit and the doctors were trying for a, num for a period of time, I don't know if, remember if it was weeks or months, but the doctors got to a point where they said, you know what? We've done all that we can do. We can't do anything else. And so they had said, would you call in your family, call in friends, call in anybody that wants to pay their last respects. There's nothing, these are his last moments. And so I remember their family had called the church and they had asked us to come and pray. Pray a prayer of comfort. Think about it, put yourself in their shoes. The doctors have done everything. Al's not looking good, he's laid up in a bed. Pray a prayer of comfort. Pray a prayer of peace. Pray a prayer of blessing. That's what they came and asked us to do. And so I remember going to the ICU. This was maybe about maybe three, four years ago. I can't really remember. I remember walking into the ICU, and the family is kind of sad. They're just in tears. They're at a loss because this is, this is uh, Barbara's husband. This is their dad. This is their granddad. And I, I remember looking at the family after they kind of shared some stories and stuff. And I was getting ready to pray. And they're looking at me like, you know, do what you do. Pray the prayer of blessing and peace and comfort and do all those things. And part of me was like, I looked at Alan. He was coherent and conscious, even though he was hooked up to everything. And it was like something in me said, ask Al how you want us to pray. And so I looked Al in the eye and said, Al, how do you want me to pray? And he said, I want to go home. And I, I was with confusion. I looked at him. And I'm like, Al, do you want to go home, home, or do you want to go home, home? And he looked at me and he said, I want to go home. I miss cooking. I want to fry an egg. And so I looked at him and it just kind of like, he's not ready to go be with Jesus. 
And so I looked at the family, and with my eyes, I told them, I said, I'm not praying what you asked me to come pray for. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith right now. This man wants to get up off this bed. It wasn't but 24, 48, 72 hours that Al was back at home, that God had raised him up off of his deathbed, where the doctors said there was no hope. And I'm saying to you today, let the power of God work through us. So this is what it says. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't, buy to, don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, the enemy wants to keep us from understanding the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within you. So he says, bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. When it comes down to the power of God, you have not because you ask not. And so today, I challenge you today, ask for the anointing of Almighty God to be on your life. Ask for the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Ask for that when you pray the prayer of faith, all these things that we just read about come true in your life. Not that you would get the glory, but that God would get the glory. His ways are higher than our ways. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But you know what? I fully submit to it today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got a need that's going on in your life. I told you at the beginning of the service, we want to take time out of this service to pray specifically for needs. You might be looking at impossibilities. You might be looking at the 11th hour or your back against the wall. I believe that God wants to meet you at your point of need. And we believe that our God is still able. The miracle working God that we have read about, the one that you raised your hand about, he's still able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or you can imagine. And so as I pray, if that is you, if you have a need, I'm saying that Jesus is the answer. You might say that, I don't know how strong my faith is right now. This is what I know. We are making a declaration in this place that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the answer. And the moment that you step out from where you're standing, you also are making that declaration that no sickness and no disease and no ailment, no frustration, no anger, no depression, nothing is too hard or too difficult for God. And so, Lord, I pray right now that the power of your Holy Spirit Spirit would be on display. God, I believe that you are a miracle-working God. Do what only you can do. God, as people step out from where they're standing and as they come to the front, Lord, I pray that you would perform the things that you promised to do. Let this be that time and let this be that moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. If that is you, would you begin to make your way to the front?